Welcome to the It Is Written podcast. As doubts about God's will arise, the world resorts to feelings and experts. We go to the law and to the testimony of God's Word. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about patterns. Has God always had a blueprint for His people? And does He expect me to read the Bible as a blueprint for my life in His church? So, I believe that all the Bible is valuable, but there are certain parts of the Bible that it's more difficult to see the value in. There are some tedious parts that are like, why did you put that in? For example, in Exodus chapter 25 to the end of the book, he deals largely with the tabernacle construction. He gives the pattern for the construction, and then he gives the details of how they executed that pattern step by step, you know, class by class. It's just very tedious. But I think there's a point to all of this that's important for us. In Exodus 25, would you read verse 9? You must make it according to all that I show you, the pattern of the tabernacle as well as the pattern of all its furnishings. That is an important principle that God in his dwelling place wanted to fit a certain pattern. We have uh, blueprints when it comes to places where we live. And the constructor, contractor should follow the pattern, follow what the architect said. And you have that several times in this passage in 25 verse 40, if you want to read that. Sure. Be careful to make them according to the pattern you have been shown on the mountain. And then in chapter 26 and verse 30. You are to set up the tabernacle according to the plan for it that you have been shown on the mountain. So Moses was shown this plan. He was given these details. He writes down the details, and then the people of Israel executed those detail by detail, just as God said. You might look at this and say, well, does it really matter? I mean, who cares what material they used and how they constructed it? It's still going to be a tent. Mm -hmm. It's still going to stand up and all that. But God cares about his home. He cares about the place where he dwells, just as we often do. Sometimes people get pretty picky about how they want their house laid out and the kind of material they want to be used in constructing it. And since it's a place they're going to live and spend a lot of time, it makes sense that they'd have some concern about that. Sure. So God has given us the pattern for the tabernacle that the Israelites worshipped in, in Exodus chapter 25 to 40. That's not the only pattern that there is. Look at First Chronicles 28. You know, David saw the inconsistency between him living in a... Uh, permanent dwelling, and God's still living in a tent. And he wanted to make a house for God, for his name. And Nathan was told, no, David would not do that. It would be his son that would do that. But David does everything to prepare for the construction of the temple that Solomon would execute, including the pattern. I want you to listen to and think about this passage. This is a fairly long reading, but I, think, I want you to think about what this is saying. So First Chronicles chapter 28 Verses 11 to 19. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the portico of the temple and its buildings, treasuries, upstairs rooms, inner rooms, and room for the mercy seat. The plans contained everything he had in mind for the courts of the Lord's house, all the surrounding chambers, the treasuries of God's house, and the treasuries for what is dedicated. Also included were plans for the divisions of the priests and the Levites, all the work of service in the Lord's house, all the articles of service of the Lord's house, the weight of gold for all the articles of every kind of service, the weight of all the silver articles for every kind of service, the weight of the golden uh, lampstands and their gold lamps, including the weight of each lampstand and its lamps, the weight of each of every silver lampstand and its lamps, according to the service of each lampstand. 
the weight of gold for each table for the rows of the bread of the presence and the silver for the silver tables, the pure gold for the forks, sprinkling basins, and pitchers, the weight for each gold dish, the weight of each silver bowl, the weight of refined gold for the altar of incense, and the plans for the chariot of the gold cherubim that spread out their wings and cover the ark of the Lord's covenant. David concluded, By the Lord's hand on me, he enabled me to understand everything in writing, all the details of the plan. So when you actually read about the construction of the temple in Kings and Chronicles, it is again very detailed, very monotonous and meticulous for us. But what we see right here is David had God reveal to him the plan for this construction of the temple, including details about the weight of the gold and the weight of the silver to be used in various utensils. It's amazing the detail God gives and the idea that he made David understand in writing by his hand on him all the details of this pattern. Again, this is God's dwelling place. This is his home. He had a pattern for it, and he expected them to follow that, and they did. And God, in both the tabernacle and the temple, God blessed that dwelling with his presence. And the smoke would fill it, and it would be symbolized the fact that God came down to dwell in those places. There's another one of those in Ezekiel chapter 40. Ezekiel chapter 40, perhaps, is more difficult to understand the point of what this was. But let's look at this a minute and see what we can get out of it. So Exodus chapter 40, if you want to read verses 1 through 4. Yeah. In the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month and the 14th year after Jerusalem had been captured, on that very day the Lord's hand was on me, and he brought me there. In visions of God, he took me to the land of Israel and set me down on a very high mountain, On its southern slope was a structure resembling a city. He brought me there, and I saw a man whose appearance was like bronze, with a linen cord and a measuring rod in his hand. He was standing by the city gate. He spoke to me, Son of man, look with your eyes, listen with your ears, and pay attention to everything I am going to show you. For you have been brought here so that I might show it to you. Report everything you see to the house of Israel. So Ezekiel is brought to a mountain where he sees a city and a temple. And he has a guy with a measuring rod that measures things out for him so that he can record the exact measurements of all parts of this city and temple. And really the rest of Ezekiel 40 to 48 is dealing with aspects of this. And again, it's very detailed. If you try to read chapter 40, 41, 42, it's a lot of detail and uh, kind of cumbersome. And you think, wouldn't it God have been better just kind of skipping over those parts? You know, we don't really need that. Yeah. Well, I think we do need that. Maybe not that we need to memorize all the details of the measurements, but we need to see how concerned God was that thing, things measured up according to his pattern. So look at chapter 43 of Ezekiel when God gives the significance of what he has given. So chapter 43, verses 10 to 12. As for you, son of man, describe the temple to the house of Israel so that they may be ashamed of their iniquities. Let them measure its pattern and they will be ashamed of all that they have done. Reveal the design of the temple to them, its layout with its exits and entrances, its complete design along with all of its statutes, design specifications, and laws. Write it down in their sight so that they may observe its complete design and all of its statutes and may carry them out. This is the law of the temple. All its surrounding territory on the top of the mountain will be especially holy. Yes, this is the law of the temple. 
This brings up the idea of the holiness of God. And God's holiness measures up to a certain determined pattern. And he expected that pattern to be followed in this temple that he shows Ezekiel. It should lead to the Israelites being ashamed of their iniquities and being ashamed of all that they've done. As they see the perfection, the beauty, the holiness of God's pattern, we see that our lives haven't measured up to the holiness he expects from us. Now, there's debate about what this temple was, but I think it's a pictorial representation of Jesus dwelling with us today, that he wants to dwell in a holy house that's built according to his pattern. But you say, we don't have a temple today. We don't have a tabernacle today. Well, God does have a dwelling place today. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll see that God has a very important place to dwell today. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. Our body is the dwelling place of God today. He lives in us. And he has standards for our life and conduct and behavior. He said in 1 Peter 1, he wanted us to be holy like God is holy. And holy living requires many virtues to be added and many vices to be taken away from our life. You see a lot of details in the New Testament that give us a point-by-point description of the kind of holy house God wants to live in. He wants to live in our body and he wants it to be holy and righteous according to his standards. God also lives in another kind of house in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verses 16 and 17. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. Here the temple is not so much the individual Christian's body as it is the congregation of Christians where God dwells. He dwells in us and among us. As, as our God, as we are his people. And God has standards also for the congregation, for the church. There is not one verse or one chapter or one book that gives the whole layout of God's congregations, but there are inductive principles that we learn throughout the New Testament. As we look at different passages, we see, oh, this is what he wants us to do in the church, and this is what he doesn't want us to do. Look over at 2 Timothy chapter 1. We see this concept often in the scriptures, in the New Testament as well, that God has a pattern that he wants us to follow. In 2 Timothy 1, read verse 13. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Because we love God and we respect him, we respect his holiness, then we follow the pattern of sound words God has given us details about not only our life, but our work together in churches. And he's taught us the pattern he wants us to follow. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, he talks about how all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for, for, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. The scriptures complete us to understanding God's will. We would not know that there were to be local churches, congregations of God's people, if it weren't for what the New Testament said. That didn't come from our mind, it came from God. And so as we seek to pattern those churches after God's will, after the holiness of his plan, we just search through the scriptures and we read about things that help us understand who makes up the church, the kind of work he wants the church to do, the kind of worship he wants us to engage in, how he wants us to be organized, the leadership he wants us to have, and so forth. 
That, that's part of our responsibility is to seek out the details of God's pattern in Scripture so that we can please him, so we can honor him, and so we can treat him as the holy God that he is. So God has given us a pattern when it came to the tabernacle, when it came to the temple, in Ezekiel, when it comes to God's dwelling with us, which occurs at God living in our body and us measuring up individually according to his pattern, and God dwelling in congregations and us measuring up to God's pattern as, as a church. So one objection that sometimes gets raised, Gary, is that you're reading the Bible too legalistically, that the Bible wasn't supposed to be read that way. Uh, and especially the New Testament, that's kind of what I've been hearing. It, it wasn't written as the same legal code like you went through in the Old Testament, but it was just a record of what happened for the early Christians. Yes, and, and I think what we've seen shows that that's not the case. God still has standards. Now, God doesn't have some specific building he lives in today, so we don't have a building uh, pattern, uh, some kind of a blueprint for a building. But we do have the blueprint for what God expects out of our lives, and we do have the blueprint for what God expects us to do together. And we just need to respect him. God has not changed in terms of being a holy God that deserves our respect and reverence. There may be more details left to our own discretion today, but whatever God has revealed, we need to show the same respect for God in his revelation today that we ever have. We have every reason to love and trust him and seek to follow exactly what he said. The scriptures, all scripture, it completes a man to every good work. And so we just have to respect God enough that we want to follow whatever we see he's revealed. Thank you for listening to the It Is Written podcast. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to share with us, feel free to send Gary an email at garyfisher1063 at gmail.com. We hope you have a blessed day.